Welcome to the That's My Financial Guy podcast with Brian Haney, founder of The Haney Company, financial guru who looks great in pants and helps people understand their finances. Welcome to another episode of the That's My Financial Guy podcast. I am your host, financial guru, Brian Haney, and I am privileged to be here with the international man of mystery himself, Manny. Manny Cosme. Everybody, thank you. Yes, there should be that underlying applause. Thank you, thank you. Love it. I'm excited to be here. CFO services extraordinaire. So thank you for coming today. I know we're going to cover a ton of ground. But before we get into the technical Michigas, which is what every audience wants, let's have a little fun. Let's get to know you a little bit better. So first and foremost, if you could live anywhere in the world for a year with no consideration of cost, where would you live? Oh, no consideration of cost. Oh, okay. You know what? Actually, <clears throat> I'm just going to total cop-out answer, but I'm going to say Washington, D.C. Hey, all right. <laughs> this is why I live here. Um, <laughs> I've been a lot of places around the world, and I still love D.C., which is why I haven't moved anywhere else. So here we go. That's Perfect. a great answer. I here. love it. Yeah. Hey, there as a go. native Washingtonian, hey. I, that validates my entire it's existence. It's a cool place to this live. great. <laughs> all right. What food will you not eat under any circumstances, including penalty of death. <laughs> I will eat pretty much anything. Okay. So I'll say that. However, I am not an adventurous eater, so okay. I will not go out to any exotic restaurant and eat like an exotic seafood platter or something like that. Yeah, like, like that's not going to be. There's mean. a fish that'll kill you. Probably yeah. Probably will just kind of pass on Probably not going to okay. eat it. Like that show that was on TV for a while, like exotic eats or anyway, I just, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nothing yeah, that's going to reach up and slap me before kind of I thing. eat it. Or, yeah. I just, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm good. Pass on that, yeah. (laughs) All right. Pass, hard pass. I like it. (laughs) What celebrity or, you know, famous individual leader would you want to have dinner with the most? And live or dead? Oh, okay. Oh, live or dead. Okay. Yeah. Well, my, my first answer was going to be Taylor Swift, but you oh, know, no, I'm, no, that's, I'm that's, totally kidding. That's no. awesome. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, I'd be in be my Taylor top Swift. 10. She sounds the pretty Ariana awesome. Ariana Grande. No. Um, actually, you know, it would be Oprah. I would love, love, love to have dinner with Oprah. I just feel like the conversation would be amazing, inspirational. We'd laugh. We'd cry. We'd be like instant besties. Like it would be amazing. That's perfect. And then go out to like a drag show afterwards or of something. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's Oprah. That's like a Tuesday for Oprah. Yeah, so you know, good. the huge. I like it. Know. And last one, and this one's easy. Besides this podcast, of course. <laughs> of course. Which other podcast might you recommend to listeners of our audience? All right. So I am a podcast junkie. Excellent. FYI. So I do listen to a few podcasts. So the top two, I would have to say, is How I Built This by Guy Raz. Love, love, love that podcast. I've heard good things about yeah, that. Very inspirational, especially when you're having a bad day and you just want to like throw your business down the drain or something. <laughs> just listen to that show and it'll, it'll bring you back up. And then the other one is the Successful Mind podcast by a guy named David Nagel. So he's a a finance financial mindset coach, hmm. if you will. And I'm actually one of his students. And um, he has a phenomenal podcast that I highly suggest that everyone who has a business listens to. It really will help to um, really just keep you on the right course and keep you moving forward. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a, yeah, it's a great, sounds like a great listen. Yeah, Both it's a great one. Yeah. I, I'd heard of the first one. So yeah. I, love, I love hearing new opportunities. We're, we're going to have a, an entire collection at some point. I'm going to read you know, our top 25 recommended oh, nice. lists. So hopefully. I'll give you a few more then offline. <laughs> 
Love it. Perfect. So tell the audience, just give, give, give your elevator pitch, all the things that are awesome about you and what you guys are doing professionally, personally. Oh man, how much time do I have? Oh, we got plenty <laughs> of time. Don't worry. Uh, so let's see. So my name is Manny. I, uh, so I'm an accountant by trade. And so I run a company called CFO Services Group. So we specialize in doing management accounting for small businesses and nonprofits. So a lot of people don't realize this, but the accounting profession is much like the legal profession or the medical profession or, you know, other professions where there are, there are actually different types of accountants. Yeah. So when people typically think of their accountant or their CPA, what they're really thinking about is their tax person, right? Who am I going to go to for tax advice and to file a tax return and whatnot? And while that's all well and good, that's only one area of accounting. Yep. Um, so we have tax guys, we have audit and compliance people that deal with, you know, financial statements and making sure that you're reporting good financials. Like if you have investments, which mm -hmm. I'm, you're familiar with, right? SEC filings, all that stuff. But you also have management accountants. Yep. That's what we do. So a management accountant, think of a big company mm -hmm. and you think of the people that actually work for the company doing the payroll, the receivables, payables all the way up to the strategy, right? You think of the chief financial officer. So that's what we do. That's called a management accountant. And that's what we do for small businesses and nonprofits that can't afford their own accounting department. We step in and act as their accounting, entire accounting department from A to Z, basically. That's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun. I enjoy it much more than I do taxes. Taxes are... <laughs> Bless everyone who does taxes, Amen. but they're really boring. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it is. So I like managing money. I think that is much more interesting. So, so that's what we do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and, that's really cool. And I've had the privilege of knowing that and also seeing you guys work firsthand over the years, and yeah. it's been really exciting. In that vein, a lot of that, I, I'm sure, ties into things like strategy and really the advice that you can give from what you're, you know, you're, you're kind of tangibly looking at things, mm -hmm. but it's not that kind of dollars and cents. It's not that static. I need to, to do this because it's April 15th perspective. It's a living, breathing kind of how do we really take your financials and make them, you know, more pliable, more powerful and galvanize your company or your organization. So, exactly. I mean, what, what are some of the exciting things that you kind of come across uh, in any kind of day-to-day -day or any kind of routine engagement with a client. Yeah. Well, I think every small business is interesting, first of all. Oh, yeah. I mean, think, right? I mean, you have a business. So, you know, every, everyone starts a business with a dream. You have a goal in mind. There's something you want to accomplish with your business. That's why we leave corporate or we leave working for someone else and we start our own business. There's something that you want. And what happens is along the way, the day-to-day -day of running a business starts to get in the way of that. And you, yes, you start does. losing your way, yep. right? What we do in the world of, and I'll just say consulting in general, mm -hmm. you know, consultants exist to help put you back on track and to really make sure that you take a step away from the day to day and see the bigger picture and make sure you're moving towards the right goal. And so we just happen to do it in different ways. So there's different types of consultants. There's management consultants and operational consultants and blah, blah, blah. So I consider what we do to be financial consulting, basically. So my job as your CFO is to take a step back, look at your business and say, hey, you know, right now you're at point A, but you want to get to point B. How are we going to get there how are we going to get there the fastest? How are we going to get there with the right capital? What resources are we going to need? What are we going to have to move? Who are we going to have to hire? 
et cetera, et cetera, and really lay out a plan to get you from A to B and then actually help you move the pieces forward to get there. So that's really kind of what we do. And that to me is the most interesting thing, you know, really kind of stepping back and saying, you know, what, what is your dream? What do you want? Where are you at now? How are we going to get you there? Yeah. Financial yeah. vision casting. Exactly. Right? Basically. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, I it, like that. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Financial. Hey, vision it's casting. free, but, right. but you heard it here first folks. <laughs> Just remember that. that. That's yeah. Great. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about what are some of the common things that maybe come up that are either opportunistic for you in terms of, Hey, somebody, an organization, a company comes to you and says, you know, this is broken, help us fix it. Or, or whatever the kind of scenario is, what are some of those common things that kind of open the door up that usually aren't positive or fun? Okay. So it usually starts with the frustration. That's yeah. 99% of the people that come see me. It's like your doctor, right? You never go see your doctor until something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you never see your attorney until something's wrong. You never <laughs> see, you never go and see your accountant until something's wrong. So again, we're not tax accountants, right? Yeah. We're not the people that you're just going to meet with once a year and we're going to file a tax return for you. You know, we go so much more in depth with a business. So it usually starts with a frustration. And it usually goes something like, I've been in business for five years, you know, I have three employees and I haven't taken a paycheck in a year hmm. and I have no idea when I'm going to be able to take a paycheck. I have no idea if this business is even, if it is even viable anymore. I'm running out of money. You know, what do I do? That's usually where we come in and start the conversation. So we step in and do some triage and try to figure out, okay, what's going on with the business? You know, what, what pieces are you missing and whatnot? And nine times out of 10, the problem is that you don't have good financial record keeping. That is, that is the first yeah. problem. So the, you know, the question is, okay, well, what's your revenue? You know, what do your sales look like? Well, I don't know. Okay. You know, what do your expenses look like? Well, I don't know. Okay. Well, who owes you money? Well, I don't know. You know, okay, well, there's a lot of stuff you don't know. So first of all, let's, <laughs> let's figure out the answers to those questions yeah. and then we can figure out really what's going on with the business. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I used then, to, I used to say my, my favorite big three are, are the three things that you lose. You lose your hair, you lose your sleep, <laughs> and usually you're also losing your money. And when those converge, that's yeah. kind of like that, that trifecta, if you will, of terribleness. Pretty much. And it happens really fast when you own a business. It, it, it so. sure does. For those of you who own businesses out there, you know what I'm talking about. It <laughs> yeah. is very hard. It's very stressful to run a business. Well, yes. And, and I loved what you said earlier, because I completely agree, you know, with, with so, first of all, in this area, just alone, there are so many amazing stories right outside our doorstep. I mean, across the, the DMV landscape, I mean, we have some of the most successful, talented, amazing professionals, companies, I think, in the entire country. And that's, yeah. and that's fun. And it's, it's the story behind the business that I think, you know, we're kindred spirits on, on how much we appreciate that and why I think it's, it is important to work with a, a technical, you know, I think our consulting's technical in nature, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, the accounting component for, for our practice, it's certainly, you know, insurance, which is, as I like to tell everybody, the non-narcotic cure for insomnia, you know, so <laughs> people come to us when they're having trouble sleeping and right. we talk about insurance, right. but 
you know, it's, it's taking those things and making them live and breathe and reinforce that story and, and guide the business forward or hopefully, you know, get them out of trouble if that's actually the state that they're in. I don't think insurance is boring, by the way. I think ah, it's very well, interesting. I'm, I'm glad I'm, you're the, the CFO, second we, person then. <laughs> we yeah, manage we, risks. We found <laughs> the other guy, guy, you know, folks, it's, it, there's two it, people now. I think now. insurance is fascinating. <laughs> it's just always fascinates me what could go wrong and how you actually protect against it. It's like, wow, I didn't realize all these things could go wrong. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, if you want to. That actually, it's not the cure for insomnia. That actually probably causes insomnia. Well, <laughs> and I always say, you know, one of the best things a person with a high level of anxiety should do is read their insurance policy yeah. and see all the things that they're at risk of. It's fantastic. Just, but then you're covered. So then you feel yeah. better about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it, 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 right? it can yeah, be interesting. You, you know, let's, let's take a generalized approach. If you had two, three, five, like highlight major topical things that you think a professional should be aware of, give us some of those, you know, those key points or some of those kind of major aha things that are going to be helpful for anybody listening to kind of have a, a way to reframe mm-hmm. themselves and, and maybe kind of get a, get at least a semblance of a handle on things, even before they, of course, I mean, the bottom line is everybody just needs to call both of us, but right. you know, it, <laughs> talk to your professional. That's well, why we, yeah, that's right. why yes. we exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, give us, give yeah. us kind of some of the highlights or, you know, the, the FAQs, if you will, that you, you mean run for small business. Yeah. You mean like small business owner, like yeah. what, what, do, well, I think one thing is, um, if, if I were to ask you right now, you know, what, what's your profit or what's your profit margin off of what you sell? If you can't answer that question in five seconds, then you need to see an accountant because you as a business owner, you need to know your numbers like the back of your hand. Your numbers are your, is your report card, basically. So how do you know how you're doing? Is your business actually doing well if you don't know your numbers? Yeah. You're, you're basically guessing. You are blindly walking through the land, yeah. not knowing really what's going on in your business. And I don't care how much cash you have in the bank. That is not an indication of how well your business is doing at all, at all. In fact, worst case, it could actually be a complete false sense of how you're doing in your business. No, and that's a there, great There's point. plenty of businesses, cash rich, quote unquote, that have gone bankrupt very shortly thereafter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. One of the things that I, that I hear a lot in terms of concerns, and you mentioned it kind of earlier, you know, an owner sitting here telling me, I, you know, I, I either I'm not paying myself at all or I'm not paying myself enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of framing that in terms of, well, Hopefully, let's get you to the place where you understand what your profit point is, the cost of goods, and you know what your ROI and all that is. But then, how do you take that even a step further and effectively manage profitability over the life of your company? Because a lot of times, this thing that you know, I'm sure you've hear, heard this probably as many times as anybody. I'm always reinvesting in the air quotes, which an audience that's listening to us can't see. Mm-hmm. I'm always reinvesting back into my business, which sounds great sometimes to say and it's almost like a pride point but if you peel that back and and just look at that very pragmatically and even strategically that may not always be the best thing to do 
and or it may not even be what you're doing, right? Right. Yeah. No, that's very true. So um, I, I will offer this as well. You know, businesses go through different phases of their life, yeah. right? So you have your startup phase, or I like to kind of parallel them to human development. So you have your baby phase and your toddler phase and yep. your adolescent phase and your tween phase and your teen, right? So, you know, your business kind of goes through these various phases. And depending on what phase your business is in will also determine how you're able to, you know, personally benefit from the business, if you will. So, you know, I will say as your business grows, sometimes it is hard to extract cash from the business. There, there are periods of time where you are going to have to invest back in your business quite heavily. And there are going to be times where your business is running a loss. It happens. And in fact, if your business does not run a loss at some point, I don't, I, I don't think you're, you have true accounting. <laughs> there must be something wrong. Um, <laughs> because the fact is that that's not how business works. You know, there, there's, there'll be a point where you have to expand if you're going to grow your business. And in growing your business, you necessarily have to go into the red. That's, that's almost a law of business. But it's really understanding when that's going to happen and preparing for it right. so that you can get through that. So in business, we talk about what we call these valleys of death. Yeah. So a business kind of the life of a business kind of looks like a roller coaster. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up and goes down. Now, over time, the trend is that you're moving up. But but as you're moving up, you will be up and you will be down. And so, again, it's really how do you maximize your uptimes to then prepare for your downtime so that you get to the next uptime. And that's really the game that you're playing when you grow a business. And it is stressful, but really having good professionals on your team to be able to see these things and anticipate for you becomes so critical. In fact, I don't understand how anyone grows their business without a team of professionals. Like you can, you can fake it, if you will, to a certain point, but that day will come where you will not be able to grow past that point and your business will fail if you don't have a professional team on your side helping you get there. It's just impossible. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that part of the reason why we have such synergy in terms of the way we approach practices is that, you know, if you're running a business now and the nature of your consulting relationships is, you know, a lot more reactionary or providing a service because you asked for it, while that's not bad, I think one of the key value props should always be proactive, strategic, forward thinking, really collaboration, right? Absolutely. You know, taking, uh, whether it's insurance, whether it's, you know, your financial records, whether it's a retirement account, whatever, whatever the engagement point is, and really having that be a building block for helping you see how that's going to continue to grow the business along its life cycle, right? Exactly, exactly. In fact, um, when I started consulting engagement, the very first thing we do is build your projections. Yeah. So, you know, you show up, here are my financials. I'm like, that's great. I'm glad you have financial statements, but where are your projections? That's what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. You know, your financial statements are great to help you figure out where your business is going, but that's the past. And the past is great, but it's still the past. We're constantly looking to the future. Where are you going? So FAQ, if you will, is what do your projections look like? What do you look like a year from now, two years from now, five years from now? You have to have a sense of direction where you want your business to go. Otherwise, you're never going to get there. 
And how are we going to know what resources we need to prepare for, mm -hmm. right? What kind of cash do we need? What kind of employees do we need to hire? Do we need a different product mix in order to get you there? You know, what's your profitability on your revenue streams right now? Do we need to create new revenue streams with different profitability mixes? You know, these are the questions that we need to start answering. And how are we going to get there? How are we going to answer those questions if we don't know where you're going? Even along with what you're saying, you know, I, I imagine oftentimes you'll see a situation where maybe somebody has a business plan, but then their financial projections or their financial plan, if you will, isn't congruent with the business plan. Exactly. It's kind of like, oh, you can tell me because you have a real, really well thought out plan for the next three to five years. This is what you want it to look like. But then I turn around and look at these financials and I don't see how the two fit together. Exactly. And in fact, I will go as far as to say that you do not have a business plan without a financial plan. In fact, your financial plan is your business Absolutely. plan. And anyone who's put together a set of, of projections, that is your business plan. Because when you put together your financial projections, you are literally laying out how your business is going to unfold over yeah. time. Because you have to answer the questions. You have to answer Okay, I'm going to I'm going to create projections. So the very first thing we're going to ask is great. What do you project your sales to be? Yeah. Because the way I do projections, I start from the top down. So I say, great, very first question, what do you project your sales to be over the next 2 years? That right there opens Pandora's box of questions, basically. <laughs> well, in order to know my sales, I need to know what I'm selling. I need to know the price point I'm selling it at. Yep. I need to know how much of each thing I'm selling, what revenue streams am I selling, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So there's your sales plan right there. Now, how are you going to actually make that work? Well, then you need a sales and marketing plan. But you cannot hire a sales and marketing professional let me say it this way. If you hire a sales and marketing professional, the first question they're going to ask you is, what are your sales goals? So you need to actually do your financial projections first to figure out what your sales goals are, are to then hire the sales or marketing firm. So it all starts with your financial projection. Well, and I think you're bringing up a great point that I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen as well, that is kind of a miss, if you will, as businesses grow and business owners it's kind of like you get to a pain point where you realize I need more human capital. I need more people to help me continue to grow, which again, you know, at a high level that seems theoretically and logically correct. And yet the hiring component doesn't necessarily always fit in to the revenue generation model that makes the most sense. And going yep. back to, you know, if, if you don't really have that financial element of, you know, this person that's coming in and their job description, how does it fit into this financial projection, right? right. Exactly. Are they a revenue generator? Or are they a loss leader? But it's a necessary one because they're providing service. But if they have a positive component to their role, then that's different. Yes. But I don't even think most business owners see it that way. I think it's just kind of we come to this stage where there's a pain and, and a person solves the pain. Right. And that's kind of as far as they go. Money yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> the problem. People and money are not going to necessarily solve your problem. In right. fact, more people will probably cause you more problems. Um, no, you know, the name of the game is really how can I get more done with less? Yeah. That's really what you should be looking at when you grow your business. You have to be efficient. In fact, labor efficiency is one of the things we look at. You know, the first question we build out financial projections is what's your sales and revenue goal? The second question is, 
what resources do you need? What's your cost going to look like? So in most businesses, the cost is the labor. That is, that is what you need to produce. You're, even if you have a product or clearly a service, but even a product, there's some labor mix in there. And so you need to really drive that down. So how can you be as efficient as possible with your labor? Because that will kill your business real quick. And the flip side of this in terms of you know, let's fast forward to the end of a business's life cycle. If you ask, I'm sure a room full of a hundred business owners, how do they see themselves stopping being a part of their business, right? Whatever that, that, you know, sailing off into the sunset looks like, I imagine the majority of them are going to say something along the lines of, well, they're either <laughs> dead or they hope to sell, right? They you hope they, they hope to have a sale type of experience. Right. And so, you know, that then brings up the, the, you know, the need and or the question of, well, how do we have some kind of a succession goal or plan or, or exit strategy? Mm-hmm. And then that goes back into, you know, well, if we're going to do that, who are the parties that are going to be involved and what are their cost elements? Is it just you? How, how, if you're the owner and you're really the revenue generator, right. how do you see yourself numerically? Right. If literally the company is you, the sales are you, that's a big dynamic to have to wrestle with. Or if you have a sales team, do you really see them for their inherent value and, you know, what the revenue element is for that as well? So, you know, it, it, it kind of it hits at every single level and every single stage. Right. We've got, you know, whether it's a risk thing, whether it's a projection thing. You really do have to have a good idea as to, you know, not just the labor element, but also the revenue component to the labor element for each party. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, if, if, if you're really at the point where you're thinking about an exit, then again, working with a management accountant to take a step back and say, okay, well, what do you want to sell the business at? What's your goal? What's your yeah. number? What's your price? Right. And then again, that's now your point B. I'm at point A. How do we ramp up the revenue then? What resources do we need to get to point B so we can exit the business at that price point then? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough, you know, and, and the more the success, more successful a business becomes, sometimes you're kind of so, you know, you're enjoying the success that you have, but, you know, that need to step away and to really have a dispassionate person take a look at it and see it for what it is, I think is critical. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's switch gears and talk now associations, nonprofits, kind of a space that is really, we're going to, you know, this is the situation where there isn't an ownership interest anymore. Mm -hmm. And yet we're very likely dealing with much of the same difficulties and challenges, but also ones that in some respect take on a new level when now there's a board responsibility and, and, you know, it's not just answering things for ourselves and our CEO, if you will. It's now also turning around and making sure a board that may or may not always understand how do we also frame things that way. So what are some of the things that you see that are common either concerns or common opportunities when it comes to nonprofits or associations? Yeah. So I will say, actually, I have a really strong background in nonprofits. I was the CFO of a very large uh, national nonprofit here in D.C., I was the CFO of a smaller nonprofit in California, and I've worked with nonprofits pretty much my entire career. Actually, my first job out of college was auditing nonprofits, and then now I'm the treasurer of several nonprofits. So I'm, I'm very, very, very familiar with the nonprofit model. Awesome. They are different, but the same. Yeah. So they do have the same challenges as a business. Look, 
a nonprofit is still a business. It yep. still has to Absolutely run like a business. Is. It still has to make a profit, quote unquote, although we call it a surplus in, in nonprofit language. But, you know, the idea is the same. It still has to be a viable organization that's producing. It has to produce revenue. It has costs and expenses, and it does have to produce something on the bottom line so that it can carry forward its mission. The difference is that at the end of the day, no one's going to cash out of the nonprofit. That's right. That's, that's really what the difference is. Otherwise, it's the same. Now, the board does always bring an interesting dynamic to the organization, and I could probably talk about that ad nauseum. <laughs> yeah. However, that's, that's another podcast for another yeah, time. Yeah, that is a whole another podcast <laughs> about the complexities of a board of directors. Um, but, um, but you know, when it comes to managing finances, uh, I will say that the one interesting part of that is really again around projections and goal setting. You know, what is the goal of the organization? What do you want to achieve? And then getting the entire board wrapped around that mission and moving that forward. So as a treasurer, that's always a very interesting, you know, position to be in and, and, you know, trying to rally everyone together and going after a certain goal. Yeah. And don't you find sometimes that, you know, the financials are maybe telling a different story, but it depends on the audience, right? You might be telling one story to the CEO because they see it one way, Mm -hmm. but then you might have to equip the CEO and maybe a team of people to tell a different story because the board may be more interested in a different part of the numbers. And yet it's all kind of the same, right? You yeah, know? exactly. That's, that, that is, um, so yes, that's a good point. So with a nonprofit, well, let me say it this way with a for-profit, you know, clearly there, there's usually a profit motive, right? You have someone that started a business, someone that's running a business. There are people that are profiting off the business, right? And so there's a very clear business mindset, quote unquote, when it comes to running a for-profit business, especially a small business. Now, flip that over to a nonprofit. There are many reasons why people start nonprofits and many reasons why people are on the board of nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, it is not financially focused. So Board members aren't necessarily as quote unquote financially savvy when it comes to looking at the finances of the organization as they would be if they were running their own businesses. And that is one of the challenges of a nonprofit. That's a great point. And it's really just, to your point, looking at, you know, well, what do we really care about, right? So if, if it's, you know, hey, we save puppies in puppy mills, you know, okay, well, how many puppies did we save, you know, this month? Maybe you're interested in those kinds of metrics. But you always have to look at the financial component because if you don't have strong finances, then how is your organization going to help anyone? And so that really becomes one of the challenges of the treasurer is to make sure that the treasurer is keeping everyone focused on the financial metrics of the organization as well as the other metrics that the organization is, is focused on. And it is a challenge. There, there's definitely competing factors there. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times with a more social, social advocacy type nonprofit, maybe you have non-business people on the board. You know, the, the organization I was the CFO for was a chamber. So m- the people on the board of directors were all business people. And so it was a little easier to kind of wrap our, our yeah. minds around those conversations. But when you have social advocacy type groups, and I've been on the board of a few of those, um, you know, people are more interested in the mission of the organization and not 
sort of the, the, the business aspect of the organization sort of becomes this like dirty thing that we don't want to talk about. So again, it's, it's the challenge of the treasurer to really keep everyone focused on that. That's a art as much as it is a science yes. because, yes. you know, the financials and frankly, the reality of the story that they either are or are not telling is critical. And, and I think you're right. I think whether it's a nonprofit advocacy, whether it's, uh, you know, philanthropic, whether it's a, maybe a trade or professional association, maybe it's a membership organization, it's, it, it's certainly the, the, the strongest kind of gravitational pull is always the central mission. But that does very often means that finances are a little bit secondary or maybe not necessarily going through the best filter when we're assessing those things. And I think it's, it's really important to work with partners like, like your firm does that can help you understand the story, not just kind of see it on paper. Hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like it needs to have its own interpretation, right? It's, you know, it's, it's not just that slice in time. This is what our numbers are telling us because we see them today. You know, it's, exactly. it's, well, based on the last three years, it's a tough conversation. Based on the last three years, you've actually been losing 15% year over year. What is that going to mean for your vision? Exactly. And you, you know, you have to tie the mission of the organization back to the business of the organization. Yes. You, you, so you're right. It is an art, you know, really marrying those two things together. Because again, if you're, you know, I, I like to use the airplane example, you know, you always have to put your oxygen mask on first before you can put someone else's oxygen mask on. That's the same with the nonprofit. You know, there's the tendency to want to, but we have to save the puppy's lives. And yes, you do have to save the puppy's lives, <laughs> but if you don't have the money to do that, what are you going to do? Like right. how many lives can you save? We need you to be financially viable. We need you to be making money so that you can do this amazing thing over here. You know, it's just, it has to happen. Yeah. You know, when you have then, like you said, board members that can be coming from a variety of walks of life too, sometimes there's as much education involved when you're having that engagement as you are the people that actually are working for the organization too. Absolutely. Um, yes, exactly. And, and God forbid if they're from other parts of the country or have a completely different frame of reference or, you know, an accent, right? Giddy up. <laughs> then it's, you know, it can, it, it, you know, it, it's dealing with personalities and, and all kinds of stuff. But at the end of the day, the need will always come back to, let's see this for what it is, but then let's collaboratively make sure we get it moving in the right direction so that way we all exactly. go where we're trying to go. But because we've married the finances together, we actually have a higher chance of succeeding, right? Exactly, exactly. And by the way, if you do run a, a, a nonprofit and you're looking for a grant, no one's going to give you a grant until you have strong financial statements. That's so a great point. and. And also, you know, um, your financial state, uh, your, your tax returns, your 990 is published publicly. And so a sophisticated donor will look you up and make sure that you're financially viable before they give you money. So if you're looking to really get those big donor money, that big donor money into your organization, those endowments and grants and whatnot, then you have to be financially viable because they don't want you wasting their money. Nope. You no, know? absolutely. They want to make sure that you're going to use their money for what you're going to, you know, for your mission. We work with a lot of associations, and and I think another common theme that you've probably seen is is uh, diversity of revenue, yeah. especially true in membership organizations, whether they be trade, professional, technical, what have you. Looking at whether you know, if you see an organization that's maybe 
you know, 60, 70, even 80% coming from trade shows. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that mean? What is that? Is, is there going to continue to be viability for that? Or how can we strategically shift that and improve revenue for membership or other things? And so how often do you think organizations that may be in one of those scenarios are seeing it that way and then having that kind of a conversation. Well, so that, that's a great, um, this is a great topic of conversation. So, and I harp on this a lot. Ask any one of my clients. I talk about product (laughs) mix all the time, you know, really getting your product mix down. So that's as much true for, for profit as it is for a nonprofit. And so another way of thinking about that is diversifying your revenue streams. You know, a, a business, a nonprofit or a for-profit business, when you're small, you probably only have one way that you make money. But as you grow your business, it becomes very difficult to grow a business on just one revenue stream. You really have to start developing multiple streams. So for a for-profit, you start seeing them diversify into other things. So for example, you start seeing them have galas, you start seeing them get grants, you start seeing them solicit donations, maybe endowments, kind of things like that. Because a sophisticated, and those are all different revenue streams, so that sophisticated revenue stream will help to really build the business over time. Because every single one of those streams has a different profitability, quote unquote, if you will, to it. And you, you really need all of them. But the question is, in what mix? Right. That's really what's going to yeah. help you grow. So same thing with a for-profit business. You know, I, I, the, best, the best example I always talk about is a restaurant. You know, a restaurant is a very interesting business because it inherently has so many different revenue streams available to it. So you can sell the food. Mm-hmm. You know, you can sell alcohol, you can cater, you know, you can do delivery. So there's a lot of different things you can even, maybe if you're good, you can package the food and wholesale it. So there's a lot of different revenue streams within a restaurant, for example, that you can build. And so the question becomes not which one you do, but in what mix do you do them, right? So that becomes really important as you grow your business. And also the cost of taking a leap Mm-hmm. to develop one, right? Exactly. Because let's say a restaurant decides that they're going to, they have enough space to maybe even host events, but without really seeing what that's going to cost yes. and what my margin's going to be, it might seem like a good idea, but if you have no margin or maybe it costs you more than it makes you, then, you know, the marketing efforts and whatever you do will ultimately hurt you, not help you. And I think that's a great example that also has probably application for you know, nonprofits and membership organizations as well, right? Exactly. So maybe, maybe we think we're going to be able to do more member events and generate more event revenue. But what if our members aren't really that dialed into frequenting events or maybe they want to go to events, but they don't want to pay for those events. Exactly. So how do you still try to find a way to make money? Or maybe that tells you, Maybe that's not the best way to diversify, right? Right. Well, I mean, two things. So one is pricing. So right. that immediately comes to mind is you got to make sure that you price your your services mm-hmm. appropriately, right? So if you're going to do an event, for example, you know, what are you setting your price at? Are you really accounting for all the costs that it's going to take to put on that event, right? So that can be with anything that you develop. So getting your pricing right is really important. Absolutely. Now, now the second part of that, though, is that sometimes you, you can only price your product so much. Sometimes the market sort of dictates what you can set your prices at and as a result you may be in a situation 
where you're not generating as much of a profit or even a loss on something, does that mean that you don't do it? Well, not necessarily. So again, this is where product mix comes in. Mm -hmm. And again, what's the strategy? Understanding how this one thing plays into your business as a whole. So for example, if I'm a restaurant and I want to do events, maybe I break even on the events, right? Maybe I don't make money on it, but it gives me exposure, which brings people into the restaurant that then boosts my other sales. Yeah. So these are things that we want to look at when we're looking at financial projections. And again, that's why that's so important is really laying everything out and understanding, well, I'm going to lose money here, but that money is going to generate sales here. And this is where I make my profit off of. And then making sure that where you're directing that sale, that you do get an adequate profit margin off of that. So maybe I get a 0% profit margin here, but I get a 95% profit margin on the thing that it sells into. So that's really important. So, and you see that a lot with consultants, especially like coaching kind of things like that even kind of a little bit of what we do, you know, there's some things that coaches do that maybe are at a loss. Like sometimes classes like live classes tend to be something yeah, that you don't necessarily make money off of, but it gives you phenomenal exposure mm -hmm. podcasts, you know, something else, right. You know, oh, I'm making big, bucks yeah, you know, you're you making, know, you know, I mean, you know this is probably all costing you in more three years. You know? This is just going to be it for right. me. <laughs> but you know, but it's exposure. And so that's, what's really important. So now everything has to make you money but it does have to fit into your bigger picture and it does have to fit in your projections and ultimately get you to your goal. That's what's important. And that's why it's so important to really lay all this out. Well, and yeah, it, you're bringing it back home to that synergy, that synergy between the sales marketing business plan and the financial plan, because any incongruence, small or large, will ultimately lead to that, you know, jumping off a cliff, losing hair, sleep or money or all three. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of times we see across certainly the association landscape, it, it's a, it's a very interesting conversation to say, you know, we're trying to do this, that, and, you know, a myriad of things to look at more non-dues revenue, which is fantastic. But, you know, all those moving nuanced components and the strategy behind them is as critical, if not more so. We're often asked to, you know, since we develop, we can develop what's called affinity programs. So when, if you want to actually sell something or make an offering to your members, sounds like a great idea. And by the way, if an insurance company is going to develop a, you know, cover an insurance need that my members have, and they're going to buy it, who doesn't win in that scenario? And by the way, usually the insurance companies can peel that out and also pay the organization. So everybody wins, right? Right. Except what if you're an advocacy organization? Mm. So what if your members don't even see you that way? And what if by offering them something, they're going to turn around and be like, wait a minute, I thought you just went to Capitol Hill. Why are you trying to sell me insurance now? Right? Yeah. It's, it's all of those elements working together to really see things for what it is. Exactly. You know, yeah. imagine spending 18 months and then turning around and telling your board of directors, oh, this thing fell flat. Because none of our members really wanted to buy it from us anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I was uh, <laughs> in my prior life, my, my prior job, we, we tried to do something like that and it, it failed miserably. So yeah, because our membership didn't see us, well, our membership and our sponsors and whatnot actually didn't see us in that way. And in fact, actually, I think we upset some of our sponsors because they were competitors. So Ooh. yeah, it was probably even yeah, worse. So yeah. Definitely the trifecta yeah, going against you. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea. Don't, don't upset your sponsors or your members. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So any kind of final thoughts that you think last ahas or 
It's like know, a Jerry Springer final thought. There you, know? you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I turn to the camera and say something pon- pontific. Sure. Okay. No, I no, actually no. I have no Punctilious. <laughs> Punctilious. Pugnacious. <laughs> a big P word that we have to all look up. No, I would, <laughs> I would say, you know, I, I would say honestly, my, my bottom line advice is always, you know, as, as you grow a business or you grow, and that includes a nonprofit, as you're growing a nonprofit, you know, always seek the advice of professionals. Surround yourself with good people who really can help you fulfill your mission and get you to your goals, whatever those goals are, whatever that mission is, work with a financial planner, work with an accountant, work with an attorney, work with a marketing professional. You know, we, we exist just as you exist to do what you do. We exist to do what we do. And we all can work together to grow some things. I, I really believe that it takes a village to grow a business. It takes a village to Absolutely. grow a nonprofit. Yeah. And, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat. And I, I also believe that, you know, if, if we all band together and help everyone grow, then the entire community grows as a whole. And that's what's really important. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. So any final shout outs? Anybody want to say hey? To Brian Haney? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> For the podcast. Who do we want to plug? No. Oh, we need, you know, we do need to plug something. We need to plug the chamber. Oh, the chamber, yes. The Equality Chamber of Commerce yeah. of the D.C. metro area. So I am the treasurer for that chamber. Uh, I'm also the treasurer for the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Yes, you are. So I'm going to plug both those chambers. Please do. We constantly do events, um, both chambers. So if you're LGBT and or Hispanic, please come out to, both, or just friendly to those communities, then please come out and support um, either or both organizations. Yeah. I will also be speaking at the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce this year. So what's the workshop title? Uh, it's actually how to build a, a strategic budget for your nonprofit. So right in line with nonprofits. Yeah. 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 No, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And uh, I have a ton of, of courses online. So if you're interested in learning more, please reach out. Yeah. So how do people reach out to you? How should uh, they get best way is website, cfoservicesgroup.com. CFO services, that's plural, servicesgroup.com. I'm pretty active on Facebook. I noticed. Personally and professionally. Well, thanks for coming and we really appreciate it. All right, thank you. Thanks for listening to this month's episode of the That's My Financial Guy podcast. We hope you enjoyed yourself. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us online at thehaneycompany.com or on Twitter at The Haney Company. The information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Haney is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated, member FINRA CIPIC.